debt ceiling doesn't authorize spending more money for new things. It just allows the government to fulfill its current obligations, like for Social Security or Medicare or tax refunds or salaries for government employees, veterans benefits, and interest on existing debt. To be really, really clear, this is money that was already promised, already owed back. The money was already taken out of the piggy bank, so to speak. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. So, Cindy, we're hearing a lot of fretting over the debt ceiling lately. I think I understand what's going on, but, you know, I'm not 100% clear about that. More fretting over money. Well, Julie, it's important that we do understand what's at stake here and help our listeners understand it, too. I agree. If I'm going to form an opinion about something, I really like to understand it first. Just a thought. So let's talk about it. (laughs) Good idea. Our country's finances are pretty shaky right now, while Republicans and Democrats are arguing once again about U.S. debt, specifically about the debt ceiling. Right. Let's get a basic understanding of the debt ceiling. Like the rest of us, the government has to borrow money when they spend more than they take in. They borrow money and they give the lenders an IOU. I mean, actually, they sign very complex contracts promising to pay the money back with interest. It's like if you take out a mortgage when you buy a house or you get a car loan, you get the money to buy the thing, but then you owe it back with interest, right? Makes sense? Sounds simple. And just like our debt is the total amount of money we owe, government debt is the total amount of money the government owes, which in the case of the U.S. government is a huge amount. Really, really huge. We all usually have a maximum amount in mind that we can spend on certain things. And sometimes we have to borrow money to get the things we really want or need, like a house or a car. When we do, we sort of have a maximum amount of debt that we're willing to take on, our personal debt ceiling, so to speak, which is usually based on what we think we can realistically pay back in a reasonable amount of time. Yes. The debt ceiling or the limit for the United States government, the idea of that was created over a hundred years ago. And it is the maximum amount of money that the US government is approved to borrow. The ceiling was created to avoid having to get each debt approved individually every time the country needed something. Which made a lot of sense. At the time, we were still fighting World War I in 1917, and Congress enacted this bill to allow then-President Woodrow Wilson to spend money on things that he thought were needed without having to ask Congress for permission every single time, having to convene Congress for a vote It could take days back then, if you can imagine, in the early 1900s. So they gave him a lot of leeway to spend as he saw fit, but they put a limit on the amount, and that is the debt ceiling. 
Right. Think about how much it costs to run your household. Now imagine the expenses it might take to run an entire country. Honestly, Cindy, I can't really imagine that. It's too big to wrap my mind around. All I know is that it's really big and it keeps getting bigger, especially with military spending and with COVID happening and the war in Ukraine. And the United States needs to increase its debt sometimes and definitely needs to pay its creditors. So the Treasury Department hit the current U.S. debt limit of $31.38 trillion in mid-January 2023 and had to take what's called extraordinary measures, actions they take to extend the deadline to avoid defaulting on the debt while Congress argues and negotiates about it. Right. The extraordinary measures, that official term, (laughs) allow the Treasury to keep debt below the limit until Congress reaches a solution. They're called extraordinary measures, even though they've been used many times in recent years, to buy time so that the country doesn't default on its loans, which would be really bad. For example, for the extraordinary measures, one thing they might do is temporarily withhold retirement funds for government employees. The idea is that this would be paid back once the debt ceiling is eventually raised. And so far, it has always been paid back, but it's precarious. It's kind of like this. Did you ever borrow money from yourself, like use the money you needed to pay taxes for something else with the idea that you'd get it back in your account in time for tax time? That can be a little risky. Or when you take out a home equity loan and borrow from yourself against your house, or when you borrow money from your kid's piggy bank, assuming that you're going to replace it. Right. Of course, nobody's piggy bank that I know has anywhere near a trillion dollars in it. That's right. Not even Elon Musk's piggy bank. (laughs) Still, (laughs) if you've ever done any of these things, you know how hard it is to repay it because you keep having expenses while you're trying to repay, right? There's always some other unexpected expense that comes up. Well, it's the same with this country. It's not like we predicted COVID or the war on Ukraine and what those two things would cost. Among many, many others. Right. So Janet Yellen, who is the current United States Secretary of the Treasury, she has to deal with all this, Mm -hmm. predicted that the extraordinary measures she could take would hopefully last until June. But to be fair, it's very hard to estimate future payments of the entire country months ahead of time. We don't even accurately estimate our grocery bills some weeks. Yeah, I almost never do. (laughs) (laughs) And to be clear, raising the debt ceiling doesn't authorize spending more money for new things. It just allows the government to fulfill its current obligations, like for Social Security or Medicare or tax refunds, or salaries for government employees, veterans' benefits, and interest on existing debt. To be really, really clear, this is money that was already promised, already owed back. The money was already taken out of the piggy bank, so to speak. Exactly. I mean, if they can't pay tax refunds, where's the money that they got? That's people's money that wasn't anybody's to spend. But of course, it was spent, and the U.S. government owes trillions of dollars in debt after borrowing money not just from itself, from foreign countries, from companies, and even from some mega-rich individuals. Japan and China each are owed the most, 
They're each owed around a trillion dollars each. It's kind of scary to think about, you know? That's a lot. If the U.S. goes over its debt ceiling, it cannot pay the debt that it already owes. If the debt limit isn't raised in time, the government would only be able to use incoming cash for its debt, which would create a significant shortfall because it owes out more than is expected to come in. Which would put every program funded by the government, student and small business loans, defense spending, food stamps, all kinds of research, in addition to government employees or contractors and veterans, all of these would be at risk because there wouldn't be enough fluid cash to pay for all these things. Payments would have to be prioritized. And in the meantime, livelihoods, you know, people's personal income that they might not get, the national economy, even actually the global economy would be impacted in a really destabilizing way. For one thing, just like if a person defaults on a loan, if the United States actually defaulted, it would no longer be seen as a good and reliable investment risk, and investors would demand higher interest rates to loan money to our government. Yeah, it's kind of funny, not laughable funny, but funny how they would do the government the same way they do people, basically. The harder it is for you to pay, the higher they charge you when you can't make payments on time. But yes. Although the United States already reached the debt limit because of enacting the extraordinary measures, the average American won't be affected for a while. But if the debt ceiling does not get raised in time, it would eventually impact even people who are not directly dependent on government payments. Yes, it would, Julie. For one thing, if the government has to spend more money on its debt and pay higher interest, Where do you think those higher rates are going to go? They're going to trickle down, causing interest rates to climb even higher for the average people than they already have been, making it harder for everyone to get mortgages, car loans, or credit cards. In general, making it even more difficult, if not impossible, to make any big purchases. And as you might imagine, all of this trickles down hardest onto the most vulnerable people, as usual ultimately involving cutbacks and benefits in order to balance the budget. Medicaid, food stamps, older people relying on Social Security and Medicare, all of these programs will be at risk. The stock market could crash, which would seriously affect people's savings and be especially problematic for people who are about to retire or who are already retired and won't be making up their lost money over the longer term. Right. The U.S. has never actually come to that point. In the end, the ceiling has always been raised. So we don't know absolutely for sure what would happen if it weren't, but it would likely be very serious involving all of the above, plus massive job losses and probably a recession, maybe even a depression. True. In the past though, a deal has always been eventually reached. In a lot of ways, it's been more political posturing than a real economic crisis. It feels like a lot of political posturing right now. Mm-hmm. The debt ceiling has been raised more than 75 times, most recently in December of 2021. Congress has eventually raised it every time. But crashing the economy is often threatened as a powerful negotiating point in a game of government chicken, which I personally hate. It makes me very nervous. 
A major problem this time, too, is that the parties are more polarized than ever, and a conservative right wing of current Republicans are far less flexible and compromising than most blocks we've had to deal with in the past. Research shows that conservatives tend to be more dogmatic and fearful of change and uncertainty, which we are certainly seeing in the way they currently conduct business. Cindy, that is a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> I have other thoughts, but I'll leave them be. The current group has vowed to push for steep cuts as a condition to raise the debt ceiling. As usual, putting their own limited interests above the interests of the entire country and the rest of us who live here and the rest of the world in this debt ceiling situation. Well, mental health and money are connected. Right. As psychologists, we can't ignore the emotional or mental consequences this can cause. The need and the greed affect people mentally and emotionally from all sides. Like I said, hearing about this debt ceiling fight makes me nervous. People's emotional states are often tied to money, finances, and economies. Anxiety and depression are already higher in the general population than they've been. Add the fear of more economic instability after all we've been through, and it can really feel hopeless to a lot of people. Yeah. Mental health problems can also make earning and managing money more difficult, and debt can impact anxiety, depression, and stress, which can lead to physical symptoms like headaches. It can affect sleep and diet and concentration. Stress can also add to our susceptibility to sickness like colds and infections. It can lead to weight gain. It can affect work and productivity, all of which can cause even more financial struggles and really more headaches. Quite a vicious cycle. Yeah. After this bout of debt ceiling negotiations are over, Maybe it's time to review the whole concept of the debt ceiling and figure out a better way to keep the economy on track. One that's not so susceptible to political games, if that exists. Great idea, if it does. <laughs> I can't think of a way, but okay. <laughs> the spending itself, just to be really clear about the debt ceiling, the spending itself has already been approved. So why does paying for things that have already been approved also need approval? Like, yes, our parents told us we could drive a new car off the lot. Oh, sorry, we can't actually pay for it. Maybe we don't need the debt ceiling at all. Congress could vote online for needed expenses as they arise. Waiting on their drawn-out games and stalemate tactics hurts. It also feels like a lot of hostility that I can't tolerate. While some people wait for their money to be freed up, they worry about whether they'll receive it and whether the market's going to start acting up. It's just really stressful. It is a lot of hostility. The games don't seem to end until our representatives feel they have no choice but to make it end. They pretty much refuse to compromise until the 11th hour when something happens to make them move. Typically, it's panic in the stock market. That's what finally made them raise the debt ceiling in 2013 when Republicans were trying heavily to negotiate defunding the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, so what they did was they refused to raise the debt ceiling unless the Affordable Care Act was defunded. And the Democrats didn't agree to that. So that was the battle. And then they finally gave in those Republicans at the last second. It was horrible. So, yeah, we have to fix the debt ceiling issues. But then, you know, we also have to fix the political system that allows for all this 
garbage to happen. Yes. If you want to learn more about the issues, challenges, and solutions, check out the Economic Policy Institute at epi.org. The EPI is a nonprofit, nonpartisan think tank created to include the needs of low and middle income workers in economic policy discussions. How about that? You can learn a lot on their site. Check it out. Check it out. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Till next time. Take care.